Welcome to the Third Growth Option Podcast, where we talk with business leaders and innovators hungry to drive growth that can be faster than internal organic growth and less risky than acquisition. Your moderator is Bernal Dunkerspuler, Chief Sherpa and CEO at Realign, who has led private equity-owned distributors through turnarounds and growth. With battle-proven leaders from all frontiers, we want to provoke thinking about business growth beyond conventional wisdom and binary choices. Hey, I'm Benno and talking today to Stephen Tucker about the skills gap and urban blight and, and Stephen's van. Stephen, say hi to our listeners. Hello, and uh, I would first like to thank you for hosting me today, and I'm very excited to have an outstanding conversation. Me too, and I, I've got to ask you, are the governor and Eric Schmidt joining us? <laughs> uh, no, we, we barely missed them. That was last week. Uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, have Governor Andrew Cuomo, New York State Governor, visit the Northland Workforce Training Center uh, last week, along with Eric Schmidt, former president of Google, to announce a new law that they were enacting in the state to provide broadband service to every New Yorker in the state. So it was very exciting. But unfortunately, that was last week, and they won't be joining us today. I thought it was funny that I was actually tickled that our recording session last week was, you know, bumped due to the governor and Eric Schmidt uh, yeah, unexpectedly joining it. No, <laughs> nothing to say sorry. I said I was tickled that, uh, you know, I, I'd never been bumped by a governor. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it happens sometimes. So you and I got introduced by Ray Atia, who wrote a great book, The Fearless Frontline on, on liberating frontline workers to enable growth. You know, so this episode is, you know, we want to talk about the skills gap, the, the Northland Workforce Training Center that you lead as a CEO. But beforehand, let, let me just kind of introduce you and your background to our listeners and, you know, jump in if I get any of this wrong. So you're the leader or a leader and strategic thinker in, in labor market challenges. You've got over 15 years of experience in workforce development. You earned a criminal justice degree and then an MBA in 2012 while you know working your way up and earning degrees at the same time, which I, I think is worth mentioning and, and something I really look up to, you know, working and educating yourself at the same time. You worked for the Urban League of Greater Cincinnati for eight years uh, and then assistant executive director for Partners for a Competitive Workforce for many years. And for the, uh, since 2017, I think you've been president and CEO of the North, Northland Workforce Training Center in Buffalo, New York. Did I get all that right? You did. You did. And uh, very fortunate to have great mentors along the way, um, access to great networks along the way. I'm a strong advocate and believer in being a lifelong learner. So going mm -hmm. back and getting my MBA, you know, as an older adult, you know, was very beneficial for me in my personal life as well as in my career. But even to this day, even as a president and CEO of North Workforce Training Center, I participate in professional development opportunities as much as possible. So how did you become aware of, you know, this issue of skills gap and, and, and need for training? Well, as you mentioned in um, your introduction, I've been in workforce development now more than 15 years, and there has been a significant deficit in terms of qualified talent available 
for business and industry, um, whether it's in advanced manufacturing or healthcare or information technology, supply chain, logistics. Even though the economy is growing, businesses still find it difficult to find a qualified workforce to fill their open employment opportunities. And it's really an economic development challenge because businesses, they can't continue to grow unless they have qualified human capital. So the skills gap is very serious um, and is affecting every region in the country um, right now. Last time you and I spoke on the phone, you shared some numbers in the in the Buffalo area, which uh, I think you quoted from like a five-county area in terms of 3,000 and 20,000. I don't know if that was opening or talk to me about the numbers that, you know, how how the skills gap is affecting the Buffalo area. Yes. In the Buffalo Niagara region, it represents um, five counties in the MSA, the metropolitan statistical area. Uh, We have about 1.2 million people living in the five counties in Western New York. And right now, we are projecting to need to fill about 20,000 job openings in the advanced manufacturing sector in the next five to 10 years, mainly due to retirements. Um, The advanced manufacturing Mm -hmm. sector, as well as the energy sector, both of them have an aging workforce, meaning that people will be aging out and retiring soon. And neither one of them have a very fluid pipeline of young workers entering into that industry. Young people are either not aware or interested or have the technical capabilities to fill these open employment opportunities, this despite those industry sectors having average salaries of fifty, sixty, $70,000 a year. So the skills gap is real in advanced manufacturing. It's definitely real here in Western New York and in the Buffalo area. Again, projecting to need to fill about 20,000 job openings in the next five to 10 years, but currently there are 3,000 unfilled job openings in advanced manufacturing and energy job openings, such as machinists, machine operators, CNC programmers, welders, electromechanical technicians, electricians, meal rights, ton of job opportunities and, and a lack of talent to fill those jobs. After you shared those numbers with me, I did a little quick sort of bar math Kitchen, kitchen table math. So 3,000 openings right now in Buffalo translates nationwide to you know, like 600, 800,000 across the country. And when you say 20,000 openings over the next five or 10 years, that's several million job openings that are in danger of not being filled across the country. That's, I mean, those are staggering numbers. It's significant, and that's why you see the heavy investment from administrations around workforce development, specifically for manufacturing. According to the National Association of Manufacturing, they're anticipating about 2 to 2.4 million job openings going unfilled every year due to a lack of a qualified workforce. So again, it's not only affecting um, Western New York, this is a problem in the United States in general. Before I ask about the solution, I, I, I want to highlight a little bit more, you know, the severity of, of, of the skills gap by quoting a U.S. Chamber of Commerce survey where 74% of Chamber of Commerce members agreed there was a skills gap and 48% of members say that they lack candidates 
or or they're they're looking at candidates that are lacking the skill set. So how how do the state and the private sector work together? You mentioned Governor Cuomo. Tell me a little bit about your perspective about how state and private sectors work together. Yeah, well, over the last few years, there's been a focus in uh, workforce development to support industry partnerships and sector partnerships. And industry and sector partnerships basically connect businesses and industry to educational providers, whether it's K-12, post-secondary, university providers, along with the workforce investment system so that we can come up with strategies with three main objectives. Number one, aligning education with industry. Industry is constantly changing and evolving, and we want to make sure that education is adequately preparing students and graduates for what industry is going to be looking for. An example is manufacturing 4.0 or additive manufacturing. These are all emerging technologies, and we need to build a pipeline of qualified candidates with the skill sets necessary to fill those job opportunities. So the number one objective of an industry partnership, a sector partnership, is to align education with industry needs. The second objective of industry and sector partnerships are to raise awareness of these opportunities so that young people can become aware that these opportunities actually exist. And not only do they exist, but these opportunities provide great wages with outstanding benefits, opportunities for upward mobility, and access to the middle and higher class. But the third objective of industry and sector partnerships are to develop and create career pathways with multiple entry points and exit points to train the workforce. Now that we've made the industry sectors or the the business opportunities aware to the general public, we need to create pathways so that they can acquire the skills and get into uh, those high paying job opportunities. So I believe the way that public and private sector can work together is by developing and implementing and lifting up more workforce development strategies that embrace the industry and sector partnership concept or the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation's talent pipeline management concept and having business and industry take more ownership of their talent pipelines, the way they do their supply chain. My brain jumped to three different places simultaneously as I was listening to you. But you mentioned Industry 4.0 and Ray Atia, who who introduced us, also introduced me to uh, Fabian Schmal, uh, and, and we did a podcast on Industry 4.0, where he talked about Industry 4.0 in, in, in episode 36. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I think you would really enjoy it. So the way you're talking about the industry sector partnerships and the three different things that you're doing to align industry with education, raise awareness, uh, develop career pathways. It sounds like a really well thought through and complex way of addressing the problem that is so depressing when you see the effects of the current problem. And I, you know, you and I talked about Buffalo, New York and urban blight. That is, it's it's so sad when you see parts of the country that that used to be sort of you know manufacturing heartland 
50 years, 100 years ago that have just sort of, you know, withered on, a, on, on the vine. You're really coming at the problem from, you know, sort of an intellectual perspective and a practical perspective. Tell me about the van, talking about practical perspectives. Well, one of the challenges that many people face when it comes to connecting to post-secondary education, connecting to employment opportunities, one of the biggest challenges is transportation. Oftentimes, educational institutions are not accessible by public transportation, and there are several job opportunities that are also not connected to public transportation. Uh, So when we decided to invest in a training center in New York, uh, we really thought about equity and placemaking. Instead of investing and putting the training center in an area um, outside of the city, we wanted to redevelop an underutilized industrial space and invest in a a community where people were actually located. Uh, So we tried to address the transportation just by placing the training center in an area that had access to public transportation and in an area where we can have the biggest impact on a community as well as people. But even with placing the training center in a, in a populated area, we also knew that there would be some folks who didn't have access to reliable public transportation. And we wanted to eliminate the transportation barrier, so we purchased a, a, a van Uh, We now provide shuttle rides to students in our program. We also support them once they complete the program with getting back and forth to work for over 90 days. We also have an emergency fund that they can access to help them repair their car or pay their rent if they run into a challenge while they're in the program, um, as well as matching opportunities where they can save up to buy a car. So we're trying to eliminate most of the barriers that is pretty typical for low-income people or marginalized populations, and transportation is definitely one of those barriers. Talk about your program. So you talked about overcoming barriers of transportation or emergency funds to get to the program. Now tell me about the program itself. How many students, uh, what study areas, that kind of thing? So the the training center, Northland Workforce Training Center, was a state-funded training center focused and designed to train and prepare local residents for outstanding careers in advanced manufacturing and energy. Um, It was a $65 million investment in redeveloping an underutilized old manufacturing facility in an industrial area. We purchased $6 million worth of new equipment, CNC mills, CNC lathes, electrical equipment, PLCs, heat pumps, um, welding equipment. So we are basically a state-of-the-art facility all brand new equipment that was influenced by business and industry because we wanted to make sure we were training students on the equipment that was actually utilized in the field. And we partnered with two SUNY universities. SUNY stands for State University of New York, which is New York State's higher educational system. Those two SUNY institutions are SUNY Erie Community College and Alfred State College. They provide all of the education and training here at Northland using the -the state-of-the-art facility and high-tech equipment. The students are learning in one of four programs. The first program is a certificate program, two semesters, one year, and it's called Mechatronics. Mechatronics is an individual who understands 
electrical applications, electronics, mechanics, hydraulics, pneumatics, all of those systems when they're integrated leads to automation and robotics. So an industrial mechanical technician, electromechanical technician, a robotics technician, those are all some of the career opportunities that mechatronics graduates can feel. And mechatronics, that's one of the highest in demand occupations here locally in Western New York. The other three programs are all two-year associate degree programs taught by Alfred State College. And Alfred State College historically have been ranked in the top five in the U.S., according to U.S. News and World Reports, um, around technical degrees and certificates. But the programs that we have here um, in Northland, specifically through Alfred State, are machine tool technology, so machinist, welding technology, which are preparing welders, and construction and industrial electricians, so electricians. With those four programs, we currently have 260 students. We have 53% minority representation and 8% female representation, which is significant for those industry sectors. And we currently have a 62% program completion rate. The average completion rates for community colleges across the country is less than 30%. So we're doubling the completion rate of the national completion rates for community colleges. And that's in only two to three years. And our goal is about 80%. And we believe we can get there by providing the intense wraparound services for our students while they're in our program. That's really impressive. That's super impressive having a double the completion rate of the national average of community colleges. And, and I think it's because you've taken a really comprehensive approach, right? Looking at it, like I said earlier, sort of, you know, the theoretical, intellectual, you know, state, you know, governments and private sector and education and aware. I mean, it's you, you're firing on all eight cylinders here, Stephen, aren't you? And thank you for that compliment. But the reality was that this plan has been in development over the last 10 years. Um, it was born out of a larger strategic plan called the Buffalo Billion. And I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. And when I was contacted about this position, the recruiter said, hey, you know, we're looking for someone to operate the training center. It's the Signature Workforce Initiative under the Buffalo Billion. And my reaction was internally, Buffalo Billion, who's going to invest a billion dollars in Buffalo? Well, the state of New York did. And this was the signature project under the Buffalo Billion. And it was developed utilizing best practices identified from across the country from educational institutions, from philanthropy, and all of those best practices focused on providing intense outreach and wraparound services to increase the persistence that students could have or achieve when they're enrolled in post-secondary education. And that's why we're having the results that we're having. And I say all that to say that there were outstanding engineers who designed the framework for this project, and they hired me as the race car driver. And it was my job not to crash the car, the million-dollar car, into the first turn on the race. So I think I've done a good job of not doing that. It takes a village, as they say, right? Talk a little bit about this idea of making trades have been devalued in sort of the cultural consciousness, for lack of a better word. And I think as a, as a, as a country, we're waking up to the fact that we need to revalue 
trades that you know and there there is an honest day's work for an you know honest pay for honest day's work is is valuable uh, trades are valuable why do you think it was devalued and any thoughts on that i think in the you know 70s and the 80s education focused on directing students to four-year degree programs. Regardless of the degree, it was go to a four-year institution, get yourself a degree, enter the workforce, have a career. And they stopped highlighting the opportunities associated with so-called skilled trades. Those opportunities being electricians, machinists, welders, millwrights. Um, And I can vividly remember my father telling me, hey, you have to learn a trade. And my father, he was an electrician in Cincinnati, Ohio, third generation electrician. We had a middle class life. We had, you know, great family. Both of my brothers, uh, one is an engineer. The other one is a machinist. They make tons of money. But for whatever reason, as a country, we kind of lost focus on those opportunities or devalued those opportunities and directed people into four-year universities. And now we're starting to see that you can have an outstanding life, an outstanding career as a skilled technician, um, as a plumber, um, as a carpenter, um, as a laborer in construction, as an electrician. Um, and we're getting back to that. And there's a huge need for skilled trades people, people with those technical skills to manufacture, uh, to construct, and provide us with all of those goods and services and products that make all of our lives better. So I call this podcast the third growth option podcast, partially because I am always looking for something outside of that binary choice, sort of something outside of the obvious. And you know, the skills gap, while I have heard a lot of people complaining, a lot of business owners, you know, complaining about how difficult it is to find skilled work candidates, I was so intrigued by how you talk about solutions. And some of the things that you've described here, maybe they are obvious, but but they're not common, right? <laughs> right? Uh, uh, nothing less common than common sense, I guess. <laughs> But any success stories or failure stories where, you know, your approach to improving the training and, and, and the, your approach to closing the skills gap, any, any successes or failures, you know, on the employer side or the worker side that, that, that come to mind? Definitely um, several success stories. Right now, we're placing graduates in job opportunities with average salaries of about $36,000 a year. I mentioned that we're graduating students at a 62% clip. One success story in particular, a young man, he graduated from high school in 2015. He went to a local community college for a couple of semesters. He flunked out. After two semesters, he found himself working at a daycare center. Uh, He was making probably 12 bucks an hour but he always wanted to work with his hands. He always wanted to be an engineer, but because he needed to work, he he went to work. Um, And when he found out about North and Northwest Training Center, he enrolled into our mechatronics program. And at the time he was 20 years old. Um, He graduated in uh, December, 2019. 
We placed him with one of our partner companies. He's now a maintenance tech making $52,000 a year. He's 22 years old. He's the second oldest of a single mother with 10 different kids. And he told me when he got the call from the company that he was hired, and it's a well-known company, he said he, his, him and his mother, they both broke down in tears because they knew that this opportunity would change his life. That's one success story. Another success story, a single mother has two teenage sons, was working in healthcare um, as a CNA, which is more of an entry-level role in healthcare, making probably no more than $14, $15 an hour. Always liked working with her hands, wanted to come and learn machining. She completed our two-year associate degree program. She graduated last May. Uh, she's now working at one of our partner companies, making about $50,000 a year. She's making $25 an hour. And with overtime, she's able to make $60,000, $70,000 a year. She loves the job, great benefits, likes the career so much, she encouraged her now teenage son who's graduating this year to enroll in the program as well. So those are two of many success stories that we've experienced so far. I kind of get shivers down my back when I, when I listen to those stories because that must make you and your team feel super proud and grateful for being able to make a big difference in, you know, one life, two lives, 200 lives. Stephen, if, if folks wanted to reach out to you and, and, and just talk one-on-one, -on -one, maybe ask you uh, specific questions that, that apply to their situation, or maybe they want to get a program like yours started in, in their local area in another part of the country, how can people find you? Maybe web website or email address or something? Yes, I would be glad to and delighted to speak with anyone interested in learning more about the Northland Workforce Training Center or connecting with me personally. The Northland website is Northland, which is spelled N-O-R-T-H-L-A-N-D-W-T-C, which stands for Workforce Training Center, dot org. Again, www.northlandwtc.org. That is the website for the work Northland Workforce Training Center. And my email address is S Tucker, which is S T U C K E R at NorthlandWTC.org. Again, we'd be delighted to speak with anyone interested in connecting with me personally or learning more about the training center. And um I, again, want to thank you for this opportunity to be featured on this podcast. Great. Thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts. And I've, I've learned a lot about the skills gap and uh, the aging workforce problem and, and, and all the different angles and perspectives from which you are solving this problem. So um, thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you as well. And uh, if folks wanted to explore other growth topics, you can find me on our website, realignforresults.com, or just email Benno, B-E-N-N-O, at realignforresults.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. You can listen to more episodes on Apple, Spotify, or Google. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review it. Share it with your friends or colleagues if you enjoyed the content. Always growing.